Welcome. You're listening to Saw Longform, with me, your host, Danny Easton. Over the past month, I've had the pleasure to sit down with people whose work captivates, people who push boundaries in their fields, ask questions and innovate, people who run. These dialogues are the basis for a series of long-form discussions where we dig deeper into their brilliant work and the light that it casts on the sport that we love. Welcome to the first part of this two-part special with the creators of Long Distance. Today's guest is one of the world's most sought-after sports photographers with a strong passion for track and field. He shot the likes of Kipchoge and Farah to name but a few. When not lensing for huge brands, he's a keen runner after rediscovering the sport after competing as a collegiate athlete. He's also one of the driving forces behind Long Distance, a magazine editorial that captured running's response to COVID in 2020 from around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to welcome Jason Suarez. So Jason, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Really, really excited to have you on. And I'd, I'd love to start with with you as as a photographer, as as an artist, really. I'm just curious to know that when, when you pick up the camera and you, and you go out on a shoot, maybe it's for yourself or maybe it's for, for a brand, like what is it in an image that you're looking for as a photographer for it to kind of connect with you and then you know that's the shot? Is there something that you're you're trying to find whenever you pick up the camera? I mean, I try to incorporate a little bit of me of like what I grew up in. So like I started photography as a street photographer. So I try to like go for that gritty, different perspective, not, uh, I, I, try to, I try to get a lot of my inspiration from New York City or, or that street life culture. Uh, and I try to bring that into running uh, from like my edit style or if I'm like shooting a campaign or something like that, um, I try to shoot it that way, where it's something that it, I don't like the traditional, I'm writing your face and here's this gear or something like that. I try to make it look like, hey, we were out there together on a run and it's just a fly in the wall kind of. Like a kind of uh, an organic kind of feel to it. Sure. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I, I definitely like the grittiness. I don't like it to look pretty. Um, because when you go on a run, it's not that I'm, it's not that it's not pretty, but it's not, uh, at least for me, right. Uh, I I'm used to like bridges and I'm used to running through parks, running over bridges. Uh, so to me, I, 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 I try to take that. So if we're somewhere that I don't even know, like, let's say for example, I was, I was on a shoot a couple of weeks ago out in California and we were in like, it was just pretty. It was like, I don't know, like up hills and just a lot of green and what I tried to do is like all right cool well I'm gonna use this rock and use this rock as like just to set up the shot and it's off focus and the runners over here and I have a little bit of trail I try to tell the whole story uh instead of just like just shooting what's in front of me you know what I mean like I kind of like I don't know I, I I like having a little depth in my photo and what is it about NYC that you love to bleed into your work like what is it about like because you're from Queens originally yeah, yeah, like yeah. is it yeah. Is it that connection of being kind of brought up in, in New York that you want to kind of always leave that mark in your work, that kind of gritty, kind of messed up kind of feel yeah, to photography? Yeah, I think, you know what, like people who go out and runs, uh, I, every, like I feel like everyone who I've met through running, everyone's a little hustler. You know what I mean? And I think when I think New York, I think you're a hustler, you're just out here, you know, 
waking up at 5 a.m. just to get in your run and then you go to your nine to five and then if you want to do some another workout later in the afternoon or you want to go on a social run uh, those are the type of like that's the hustle mentality I think of and that's the kind of energy I want to bring out in my photos you know what I mean like going out on a sunset run yes it's pretty but that mentality to like all right cool like I have nine to five and I know that 5.45, uh, it's sunset. You have to hustle to make that sunset. You know what I mean? It's not like a, I'm just going to go out there and run uh, just because, you know? So I just think uh, it's it, there's a little bit of a mentality that you need to, um, that a little bit of a hustle mentality that you have as a runner, you know? And I think everybody has that. And that, I think that urgency kind of bleeds into the work. And I, I can imagine growing up in New York, like that definitely has its feel. Like the, the brief couple of times I've spent in that city, like the energy is, it's relentless. Like there is that hustle. Everyone is, is moving towards a target. Like, did, right. did you feel right. that when you were in the city? I mean, yeah, I feel like everyone out here, um, everyone is working towards something. You know what I mean? And I think either if, when I used to run with uh, this one group, Black Roses, beauty of that was that we were all some some of us were like architects other of us were photographers barbers you know so we all have that like again that hustle mentality of I need to do whatever I need to do in order for me to make ends meet but the thing that connects us together is running and we are able to share our stories and share our like I don't know like just share our our struggles through a run, you know what I mean? And just like, and I think that's how I've met a lot of other friends through running, you know, like a lot of my friends are like Corey out in London, uh, Beefy, uh, Track Mafia, like we connected because of running, but what made our friendship stronger is that hustle mentality of, if you look at Corey in in his stories, you know, like my man is always busy right? Same thing with Dewey. What I appreciate about Dewey is he's not posting it so much on social, but the guy is always creating. That guy is always like, every time I speak to him about something different or whatever, I'm always just like kind of blown a a little bit of just how creative he is. Even if it's like a goofy video, I was just like, dude, like that's hilarious. And it's just that creativity. And I think that's where, um, that's what connects us together. You know, like a lot of my friends is that it's running is a part of it, but that hustle that we all have, uh, it's, it's in the core of it, you know? And you mentioned one of the, one of your friends there is a barber. Cause didn't you buy your first camera off a barber for like $300 yeah, or yeah, something? Yeah, 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 I did. I did. Um, it's funny. I, I, I saw him this morning cause I cut my hair today. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, my first camera, I bought it from my barber. Yeah. I, I, I was just like, yeah, I'll buy it off of you for like $300. And that camera took me all the way to like my first Olympic trials. It, it, it was, it was, it was hilarious because I think the camera was like $300 and the lens that I rented, it was probably, I don't know, like $4,000, the, the, the value of that lens. So I, it was so ridiculous of me at that time, but I didn't know what I was doing. And I, yeah, so it's, it's just hilarious thinking back at it now, you know? So that camera then, that camera that took you all the way to, to where it took you with the with that astonishingly expensive lens attached to it. So learning your craft then, where, where did you hone your craft? Where did you sort of find your your style as a photographer? I learned my photography and style in, in New York City, in the streets. It's street photography. So like I grew 
into photography. I didn't, so I didn't study it. I learned everything on YouTube, but what I learned most, the most was from my friends. So before, when Instagram started, we would do photo walks. So we would literally go sunrise to sunset. Uh, yeah, sunrise to sunset in New York City, walking around shooting different things. So I learned how to pan like a cab, uh, with a taxi cab driving by. So I, and I would learn from other friends who were in these walks who respectively now are huge in their, in their specific genre. So like I would, go out on walks with people like Steve Sweatpants, uh, JM Silva, uh, JM, uh, JM Suarez also was there, you know? So, and like these guys are huge photographers now, huge influencers. So I, 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 I'm very thankful that I got out of my comfort zone and would go and meet uh, all these people on these walks. And like, even like guys like Dane Isaacs, I, I still remember learning how to pan for a photo and, and it was, a friend of mine was showing me that. And I use that all the kind of all the time now with shooting photography with, uh, at, uh, in athletics, you know? And that's why I like those shadowy, more shadows in my photos and stuff like that, because I want to be able to bring that street culture into, into athletics. And what was it like being around the sort of the birth of, of Instagram as well? Like, I imagine that must have been quite an exciting time because when these apps, they're so synonymous now that but when when they're first kind of born and that kind of instant gratification of you uploading photos with with your contemporaries and seeing people react to your work, was that was that quite an exciting time to be to be around? It was. It was. And like you, it's funny because I've never, I've deleted, some, not deleted, I've archived some of my photos, but if you go deep into my Instagram, you'll notice how I, when I thought something was really, really good, it's, com it's completely like to me is now trash. Um, but uh, I've left it there on purpose so I can look at my own growth. You know what I mean? And if somebody else wants to check and go deep into my Instagram, they can see like how far along I've come in, 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 in photography. So yeah, I mean, I, it is exciting. It was an exciting time for sure. To me, it was just more of, it was a creative outlet that I didn't know it was going to turn into somewhat of a career. Because had photography always been something that you'd wanted to do? No, no. It, I, I remember I was in college and I took a class and I dropped out of that class because I thought it was so boring. Uh, <laughs> maybe it was a teacher's fault. I don't know, but I just, I, I didn't find it fun at all. Um, but my time, uh, so I, I started in television and I wanted to be a, a director in television. And when I, in 2009, I lost my job with the New York Mets because we, because the stock market crashed um, and the owners of the Mets were involved in this Ponzi scheme that, and they lost a lot of money. So I ended up working at, at Apple. I've been working for Apple for many years now. And I found myself struggling creatively. And I think Apple is a great company to work for. I just needed, I lost track of time. I've, it was two years. I was in there for two years. And, you know, when you're, you're in a comfortable situation, you're just like, all right, cool. Like I'll get back to that some other time. And two years into it, I was like, what happened? What, where, where, this was supposed to be a temporary job. And I started 
applying back at, at the ESPNs and at this and at Fox Sports or whatever. And everyone said the same thing. Hey, you, this is great. You just haven't done anything in two years. So we can't hire you. And, and it's cheaper to hire someone who's inside instead of bringing an outsider in, right? So what I did was like, all right, cool. Uh, if that's the feedback that everyone's giving me, I'll just create my own experiences. And that's how this whole thing took off. So it started off as photography being a creative outlet because I just, I wasn't being creative to once I was like, oh, okay, I want to get back into this. Then I was like, all right, now I have to create my own jobs and my own experiences in order for me to ultimately get back to where I want to go. What was that learning curve like from going from practicing tracking, moving cabs to tracking athletes on, on an athletics track? What was that learning curve like for you? I think it was, I think it's harder to grab a moving cab than a moving person. Oh, right. uh, but I think, you know, it wasn't too bad because at the end, it's the, the basics stay the same. Your, your, your subject just changes, right? Uh, so no matter what, your, your, what changes is the environment that you're in. So like if there's more light or less light or you're in a stadium and the stadium is like orange lighting compared to like white lighting. So those are the things that like change, but everything else, the the premise of how to capture something is stays the same. Why running? Because this was something from, from your own past back in, back in college, because that right. you, people listening now will know, I imagine that you are, your photography is synonymous with running and the running culture. Right. Why did you want to reconnect to it as a, as a photographer? Because I missed running. I missed running. I miss. I hated running after college. Like I, I, I didn't want nothing to do with it. Uh, but I missed being around the sport, and I missed, and I missed it. You know, like I missed the travel. I missed the uniforms. I miss standing at a stadium and smelling the icy hot or or the Bengay or the Tiger Bomb. You know, uh, just the the fresh grass. I I missed it all, and. Um, I wanted to stay in my lane of sports. I, to be honest, I had no idea what I was doing back then. I, I'm starting to figure it out now. But yeah, like it's it. I I wanted to be something that I knew, and I've made a lot of friends running in high school and college that are still involved post collegiately. So I just reached out to them, and that's how I was able to get access first because I was friends with these people. And then uh, that's when brands started noticing like, who's this guy? How, how did he get access to these people? And then that's when they kind of brought me in and I started working with different brands and stuff like that. So. And do you think having that knowledge of, of being in their position, being on the track and, and being a runner yourself, do, do you think that allows you a greater degree of understanding with your subjects? I think so. Like, um, so I, at first, when I, when I first started shooting, I would remember people lining up for the 100 meters or the 200 or the 400, and I knew exactly what they were feeling. And I knew it, those jitters, I knew exactly. So I would capture that stuff, right? Because there's so much concentration, there's so much energy when you're about to explode off the track, uh, off the blocks, that people who don't, who are just event capturers, aren't thinking like that. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think that's where, um, because I understand the sport and I understand like, hey, the lactic acid buildup in a, in a 1500, I know that you're going to get a better picture in lap three than in lap two, because, you know, so those are the things that you start uh, putting together because 
you're used to running, you know what your body can do. So if your body can do that, I know the next person's the professional athlete body is going to do that, but 10 times better. And in terms of going from from like capturing live events and, and sporting events to more kind of intimate kind of portraiture where you're spending a longer period of time with an athlete like i know people listening will probably be most familiar with your work with shooting the likes of like kipchoge and and mo farah like when you're spending time with someone like that how are you managing to create that organic sort of authenticity that we were talking about earlier when when you're trying to capture them but also knowing that you're you've also started to develop a bit of a, a relationship with them personally as well and i think that's what it is right like the first time that I met Mo, I was out in Ethiopia. Didn't have my camera on me, had my cell phone in hand, but I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm with Mo, look at this. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't doing any of that. It was just me talking to him, getting to know each other. I wasn't trying to like seize opportunities. I was just there. You know what I mean? We were, we were having lunch, we got to know each other. And I think once you start, noticing oh he's just here to do a job or he's just here to like and he's chill he's not just trying to, to like post things up on the internet or or whatever i think that's what uh that's how you build that rapport right i think it's super important that you build a rapport and because these are also individuals who want their privacy you know same thing with kipchoge like when i met uh elliot we were in kenya and he had no idea who the hell i was But what made it special was that by the time that we were finished, and this one was more of like a structured, hey, we need to be here at this time. We've got to shoot at this time, shoot whatever you need to shoot, make the most of your your small amount of time is uh, the consistency and making sure that he noticed me post that first shoot. So if we were in London, if we were in Berlin, introduce yourself again. And to to the time where... He came up to me when he came to New York for this uh, for this event. He came up to me and was saying, hey, how's it going? Punch me in my arm and all that other stuff. Right. Because it, it was just you're just being yourself and you're just being authentic. You know what I mean? Like you're not just trying to do it for clout. You're just doing it out of respect and love for the sport. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like that, that bleeds through to the work eventually like that. That translates to the to the imagery that has that genuine connection with the subject and if you were to look like if you were to draw like a, a pie chart of your work would you say that like 80 percent of it is is that is that observation kind of hanging out building a relationship and then there's like the 20 percent, which is actually where you get the camera out and the, the kind of building that rapport enables you to capture the images that you do yeah i think i think that, that yeah i think that's it like i don't i don't like forcing it I don't want to go in there and just shoot 10,000 photos and only be able to use five or 10 of them. You know what I mean? Like I want them to feel comfortable around where I'm, they just see me as a peer or as a friend or just, you know what I mean? I don't want the photo of just, for an example, there, there, you can tell uh, there are certain times where I need to put my foot down and I need to tell the athlete, hey, I need you to do this, this, this right now. And they, and they will listen, you know, but at the same time, those are not my favorite shots because you can tell that there's, their mind is in something else, right? Or they want to finish this workout or whatever, but with time constraints and I need, and if I, if, if I know I'm leaving tomorrow, 
I have to get my shots and, and do whatever. But the shots where we're just having fun and Mo is jumping over someone else or just him being himself, those are the better shots because he's comfortable. You know what I mean? And he's just like, we're just being ourselves. We're just like, I guess in that moment, we're growing out, you know? Are you putting on your kind of uh, the other cap? Like you were talking earlier about how you wanted to be a, be a director and you were applying for various jobs. Like, are you wearing that cap as well where you're kind of not directing them? Well, you kind of are with that, that last response, but do you have to sort of sometimes dabble with that? Like in terms of directing them, but trying to do it in a way that will make the image seem natural, but get you what you need from the shot. Yeah, for sure. Because they're like, I remember this one time when we were, we were on a time constraint because there, there were just a lot of delays on, on, on both parties. And uh, I needed to make the most out of my time with Mo doing a shakeout run. Mo was literally there just doing a shakeout run. We have video, I needed to shoot video, I needed to shoot stills. I had a stop, yeah, and I told them, I was like, listen, Mo, we're gonna, in the middle of this, uh, in the middle of this shoot, uh, we're gonna do a couple of outfit changes. He went out for an hour run. I was like, I stopped him in the middle of the run. I need you right here in, in front of this hut that made out of mud, mud. And I was just like, I need you to stop here for two minutes. Give me two minutes of your time. And then, all right, cool. Go back to your, go back to your run. He was distracted. He was like trying to stop his watch. And, and yeah, like I had to like, just not, I had to direct and be like, Hey, 30 seconds, focus on me. All right, cool. And go back out to it. And yeah. And you tell them, I was like, listen, the quicker we get the shot, the quicker you go, go back to your run, you know? And he responded well, he, we both knew that maybe if that was my first time meeting him, I wouldn't react that way. Right. But again, that's where that report comes into play and just say, hey, like, I, I maybe because he never saw me react that way. It was just more like, all right, cool. Like, let me just do this real quick. Let me put my watch down. We got the shot and he was able to keep on going, but I'm not trying to waste his time, right? The quicker I know how to like get my shot, get in and out, that's better for both parties, right? Because the last thing I want is like, I got to adjust my camera. I didn't like how it looked whatever I got at that moment is what I got and I got to work with it, right? I can fix it in post. I can do this. It, but again, he, the reason why he, he responded in that way is because he knew that I wasn't going to take up. If I say two minutes, it's going to be two minutes and that's it. And I try to do it in less than two minutes. You know your craft, like you know what you need to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think because he's, he, we worked together in the past, he knows that I'm not just going to keep him there for five minutes in the middle of a run you know what i mean so yeah absolutely and bit and building that relationship allows them to have that that trust with you but i can imagine it's quite a pressured environment to be in sometimes because you are this conduit for for communicating with with the subject and getting the shots but you've also got the, the brand and maybe management and maybe pr or whatever the the kind of various layers that, that are involved like how do you deal with that pressure where you're the kind of conduit with all these different things kind of running through you? I've been lucky enough where people have gotten to trust me, right? There was like my first time in Kenya, I was running alongside Elliot while he was doing repeat. I don't know what repeats, but he was doing, he was running a couple of laps on the track and I was running with him for 200 meters. And I, and I think that those are the moments where they're just like, whoever the, uh, the PR person is, or, you know, the, uh, the marketing team or whatever, they are just like, okay, 
this is what he does. Let's see if it works out. If it doesn't work out, we're going to pull him. But thankfully, everything worked out perfectly. And some of the shots that I was able, able to produce, they wind up using and they were like, okay, we get it. So next time they're just like, all right, let him do his thing. He, he they both, both parties know their role. And, and it's that, you know, it's ask for, ask for, uh, for permission first, right? Make sure everyone is clear on what you're doing. If they say yes, go ahead and do it. But I, I cleared it with sports marketing Sports marketing clearly with Kipchoge's coach. Kipchoge's coach was just like, hey, man, just give him one lane just in case you trip. And then afterwards, we were just, we were, all of us were all just, you know, Patrick, Elliot, we were all just laughing that this big guy with a camera is just running around on a track looking like a fool. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it's that, you know, I think it's, it's being, as corny as it is, it's just like being not afraid to like put yourself out there and just making it happen, making it a unique experience. Absolutely. And is it quite satisfying for you when your kind of process is acknowledged as your process, as your process, like as an artist, when people are like, that's what Jason does. Like he likes to get in amongst the athletes. Like he's going to run with Kipchoge. Like, do you, do you know what I mean? As you progress, as you establish, like when people start to acknowledge, like those are your kind of cornerstones, like, is that quite gratifying for you? It is, it is because it's like, you're known for a specific thing. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like I put myself in a, in a, in this basket and they only know that I can do this. And it's a little frustrating at times as I don't like calling myself a photographer or artist. Right. Uh, but as someone who photographs, I wish I was able to do other other things as well, right? Like I wish I can like shoot soccer, football. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I was. I wish I can do other other sports, like you know. Um, and I'm thinking about it. Like I, I want to. I'm I'm, sh I'm gonna be shooting the Olympics, and I, I don't know, man. I I kind of want to take a a back seat and not shoot for a little bit and figure other things out. You know, I think there's so many, I, this is not a sustainable lifestyle. What is it about it that's not sustainable, do you think? I'm, I'm older, so I, how old am I? 34, 35, I'm gonna be 35, right? But, you know, traveling around, there's not a lot of money in track, you know? We all know this. There's a lot of travel that you need to do, and it's just, it's, it's tiring, you know, and like, yeah, I get it. There's other photographers who, who are much older than me and who are who have been doing it. But again, I, I don't know if this is something that I really want to pursue long term. You know, I, I, my goal going into as a photographer in sports, I was like, I want to cover an Olympic Games. I'm so close to doing it. I, I can taste the finish line. But I've never thought what happens after that it's great i get to see my friends i love it but what's next i can totally see that and do you i suppose do you worry as well like if you do keep going down and the same path and shooting the same things that that will also bleed into the work that it will lose its spark and that authenticity and that kind of magic that you were talking about earlier when you were first learning your craft and wandering around nyc and kind of just shooting things for fun with your mates like do you worry that it will eventually show up in the work like if you lose that passion for it i think so and i i think what keeps it still fresh is that 
there are certain opportunities that I that I'm getting right like going to Doha and shooting a world championships under with Team USA was like I was a little kid when I got the email and they were like hey you're gonna come with us like I, I felt like a little kid when I'm in the bus with Team USA traveling to the stadium and you're just like holy crap how did I get here so those moments are still rich in me and those moments are the ones that keep me is still in this, right? Because there's so much things I haven't experienced, but there has to be a shift in my career because I don't wanna feel like I felt year three at Apple where I'm just like, what am I doing? Where has the time gone? And I, why haven't I progressed, right? And I think that hit me hard. I feel like I've accomplished my, my, my I haven't accomplished it yet, but it's close to being accomplished. And I, and I need to put myself again in an uncomfortable situation to figure out what's next. In terms of rediscovering that passion, like you were saying there about getting yourself back into a position that's uncomfortable, because you were saying earlier with your, your running that you kind of fell out of love with it. Like, w was there elements of your photography that made you fall back in love with it? Because I know you've, you've done marathons. It's like being around all these people, like, you know, when you're on the bus with the, or the, the US team and you were feeling like right. a kid, like, did that start to inspire you to sort of delve back down into your running world again? Yeah, because you know what? I use photography as, as an excuse to be around running and the photography and photography only fulfilled so much. And then the only thing that needed to happen was for me to run. I still have a love-hate relationship with running uh, because I try to, uh, mentally, I haven't gotten over who I used to be as a runner. And that's, uh, so starting over every single time uh, really, you know, kicks you and humbles you. But yeah, like, you know, um, I was getting back into it before the pandemic again. And, you know, like New York got hit super, super hard. And honestly, man, like I, I lived 10 blocks away from, from the hospital. That was like the worst impacted one. And when all you hear is sirens throughout the entire day, the last thing you want to do is go out. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I, I lost every single motivation or every single thing that I wanted to do. And yeah, and like things are getting a little better now in New York and I, I need to, I need to get in shape and I need to run and, and my body's asking for it. And I feel like this is the spot where I needed to be in order for me to like get back into it, you know? Absolutely. And, and just, just sort of landing on you talking about COVID and, and last year and it's now nearly been been a year, like, and seeing that, and like you say, New York being hit incredibly hard by that, was that part of the motivation behind the the long distance project with with Dewey? Was was there was there a kind of a compulsion or a, a need to kind of respond to it artistically? When Dewey hit me up and asked me to be a part of it, yeah, like I, he he hit me up as like to be featured, and then he was just like in the middle of our conversation, he goes like, "Do you just want to do this together?" And I was like, yeah, absolutely. We were all talking about the same struggle of, I haven't shot anything in months. I don't know how we're gonna like come out of this, you know? Like, you know, thankfully I still have uh, uh, some kind of income coming in, but um, yeah, like the whole point of it was we wanted to give back money to photographers who were impacted by this. It, we could have easily just said, hey, listen, we wanna put this magazine together and we're going to share all the profits. No, like the point of it was 
we're gonna we're gonna front this money, and then whatever we get back in terms of sales, we're gonna give it right back to our friends who we asked to be a part of this magazine. And the and you know what was the coolest part about it was that almost every single person who said uh, who, that we were gonna pay, everybody was just like, "Hey man, just like can you donate the money to this organization? Can you donate this money to this food bank?" And I and you know what? And I think that's the beauty of this running culture and these friends that I've we've we've made through running is just like we all have good hearts and we all come together and just like you know make something happen out of out of a bad situation and then their response to just say hey yeah like just donate this money to this local food drive fund whatever it just says more about the people that we've met throughout the years. And in terms of the people featured within long distance, because I mean, you, it's a, it's a global endeavor, like yeah. every corner of the world is pretty much featured. And like when all these stories were, were coming in and the photographs and stuff like that, were there like differences that you noticed or commonalities within the running crew in terms of how people were responding to what was like such an sort of extraordinary year? What was the good thing about it was that we, we noticed that we were all, going through the same thing right like we were all yes there were certain leniencies here and there but the first initial response that everyone's had was we don't know how far we can we can go right for an example when I, I hit up Alicia in New Zealand she told me listen I don't know if I can make the deadline because I cannot leave more than two miles or three miles and the person that I want to feature that I want to like feature lives five miles away and right so and, and so to me those extremities that someone else in the other part of the globe is going through and then you have someone like like Pim who was like I want to tell this story of my friend who is a trainer and how to do uber eats in order for him to like survive right? We were all going at, the, going at it together in different extremities, right? And I think when Dewey pitched it to me, he said, like, we, I want to be able to hold this book and almost like a yearbook and be like, we all went through this together. Yes, our stories are a little different, but we're all struggling at the same time. And to hold yeah. something physical in your hand. And, and like, look at it. And like, yeah, there's certain times where uh, like for an example, I've never been able to get through an entire book that features anything about 9-11, right? Like I've never been able, I can't watch the movies. At my parents' house, there's a 9-11 book, like it's over 200 photos and I just can't get through it. Like I just, I, I look, I get to like certain points of the book and I was like, I don't want to see this. So like, I don't know how this book is going to be a little later. I, I don't think it's the same impact, but there are certain points of this, uh, of the book where I, I'm just like, I can't believe we went through that. You know what I mean? Like, and the first thing that we, the one thing that we told every person that participated was please be careful. Please give yourself distance. Don't put yourself in harm's way. You know, like there were, I think the homies out in, in Brazil, they were saying like, if you get caught outside at a certain time, you might get arrested, you know, or, you know, or you can't leave. The only way you can leave if it's, 
if you're walking your dog. So he sneaked in photos while he was walking his dog because he he wasn't allowed out. You know what I mean? So it's just like those stories are, are like are super unique that they tell you. You know what I mean? And like even the part from Mexico, the guys from Dromo, the, he was telling me he's a doctor trying to find a cure for this. And the only thing he has to clear his mind is running. You know what I mean? So like, those are the, those are the things that are just like, what the hell are we going through right now? You know what I mean? And like, I, again, it, it, that this, like the long distance book, I don't want to compare it to 90, that 9-11 book. It's nothing like it, but in the future, it, it's just going to remind you about a tough time that everyone went through at the same time and we we just all we did was just tell it in the viewpoint of a runner that's the power of and the importance of, of photography isn't it to, to capture to to document and to to create a tomb that people will come back to and i think you're right i feel like the ripples of 2020 are still kind of permeating i think we haven't fully processed the year that we've come through but having gone through long distance as well as the kind of extraordinary stories the one thing that is really apparent is the kind of the resolute kind of almost defiance of the running community to continue and you know chatting with with Dewey the one thing that he remarked on was how it's kind of one of the greatest communities out there like the running community just kind of kind of trumps all other communities like we're not you know doing down other sports or anything like that but you know you're really struck particularly with long distance just how generous people are and how supportive people are and like for you like you've been kind of in amongst all of those running crews I know you're kind of connected to a lot of the New York running crews and you've obviously you know you've shot running crews and stuff like that but you're also part of the the the, the Panzer boys and I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into that because I just think it's such a it's such a brilliant idea and it's something that I think is also equally important within the running crew can you can you tell us a little bit about that you know uh that was uh Manny uh, Manny's idea, Bodega. He, and you know what? I think it's it, it is it's something cool uh, because, and I, I struggle with it. You know, um, as male runners or fem and female runners, we all look at what the perfect runner's body has to be like. You know what I mean? And I think, and I think that's what Manny's message is, and our message is, is that like Tyrone, Ty is. I don't know, like 250 plus pounds running a damn marathon. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. If you run 26.2 miles, you're a marathoner. It doesn't matter if you're out here running it in <laughs> at a BQ pace, right? Or if you're out here just, and it takes you four and a half, six, whatever hours, there, there's something special about that. You know what I mean? And like getting over the body issue uh, and running with a shirt off. So a, a simple concept of just running with your shirt off in 90 degree weather, humidity in New York City. Why Hector says it the best is like, why do I need to cover myself with a cotton shirt running in a New York City in that in that in that weather? Right. When the person next to me who's running much faster than me. Has, can have his shirt off. Why is it a shame that I have to keep my shirt on? Why do I have to keep my shirt on, right? Because I don't look like the person next to me. They're both working as hard. You know what I mean? They're both doing the same exact workout. But our point of view is the bigger guy needs to keep his shirt on, right? While the other person who's fit and has the abs has to like, you know, uh, it's okay for him to take off his shirt. And, and I think that's the message behind it is that you just want to start 
thinking outside of that mentality, you know, that I don't want to call it elitist mentality, but you know, it's that mentality that it doesn't matter if you're a runner, you're a runner and it doesn't matter how big or small you are, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's the great thing about the the marathon as well as it is like this unifying thing. Like when you tell someone you've done a marathon, no one asks you like, what place did you finish? Right. Nobody asks, what's your time? (laughs) You know? Yeah. You did it. Like if you say like, oh, I came, I don't know, 29,472. No one's going to be like, what? Really? It's like, it's, it's a, it's a unifying thing. And I think there is something really, really powerful in in that in that collective like in in terms of shifting people's perceptions of what a runner looks like do you you feel like there's there's more that can be done with like the major stakeholders in the sport to kind of address that uh i i believe so yeah for sure i think there's you've seen the change little by little yeah i i think there is more room for improvement but it's not going to happen overnight right it's not going to happen you know like understanding how some of these like you know how brands work something that was that comes out next season was developed a year or two years ago you know what i mean so it's going to take time but with that time you still need to keep the noise going about the the change that you want to see that feels like a really lovely note to end it on. Just keep that noise going. And I'm sure you will continue to keep making noise. And I hope as well. And I'm sure you will be out in uh, in the Olympics this year, capturing some fantastic imagery. Jason, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and being a great guest. It was a real honour. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You can check out Jason's photography on his Instagram, Not Afraid to Fail, and be sure to check out the second part of this two-part special with the other creator of Long Distance Magazine, Dewey Yen. That episode is available now. You've been listening to Soar Long Form with me, your host, Danny Easton, and you can find more about Soar at our website, soarrunning.com. Next time... You know, this is an existential fear or threat, and that explains why in the early 1900s, so many governments begin to actually take this huge interest in physical fitness and physical activity. If you enjoyed today's episode, then subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts from, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.